Well, good morning. Welcome here. I'm glad you're all here today. Let's start by singing hymn number 15. O come, loud anthems, let us sing. Number 15. Why don't we stand to sing? to give hearty praise to our God, isn't it? It sure is. <clears throat> this morning for an opening, I thought uh, in reflecting on what Pastor Dean is going to preach on, I thought it would be maybe good to remember on whom we lean for guidance, for vision, for just about everything. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 3, the first 18 verses. <clears throat> my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wearied of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Lifelong, sorry, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we do know that we depend on you. We do know that you are our provision for all things. We do know that every good gift comes from you, but it is good to hear your word remind us of these things. It is good, Father, that we can be again reminded that wisdom begins with you, it begins with turning from evil, and that to walk in the ways of wisdom is just good for us in every way. Thank you, Father, for this reminder. And as we listen to this morning's uh, sermon, and as we lift our praises to you together, I pray that this might be in our minds and strengthen us for continued living. For we want to be found faithful in your sight. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's sing together a little bit more. Take your hymn books and let's turn to number 520. Sing to the Lord of Harvest. Anybody who has been noticing will know that harvest is fully underway in our community. And it's good to see.
us, Lord. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> well, a few announcements we have here this week. So I'll go through them. First of all, I would like to say a hearty thank you to my church for stepping up and serving Alma Neufeld and her family at the funeral. Wow, that was good to see. I am proud of my church. You stepped forward, you served eagerly and with joy. The kitchen was just a buzz and it was a real delight to be part of that and to, uh, to see us working together. I hope we can find more occasions to do that. A few announcements that are not in your bulletin are um, Pembina Valley Pregnancy Care Center. There's a, there's a poster up on the bulletin board. It's organizing a support group for women longing to find healing and peace after miscarriage or losing a baby. Now that might not apply to many of us, but we all have daughters and granddaughters and nieces and so on. Uh, maybe there's somebody in your family that has such a need. It's an important ministry and I, I think many of us support it. And they're also reaching out to support those who are um, grieving those losses. They too need care. Uh, another announcement that's not on the bulletin is the Pembina Valley Bible Camp. There's also a poster out on the bulletin board. Uh, they are having today an event, Fall Festival, uh, September 11, that's today, at 2 p.m. They are saying they're come for fun, a fun day of camp activities, face painting, balloon animals, and a barbecue supper by donation. So you maybe don't want to do face painting, but maybe you want to do some donation. You're welcome to come and uh, celebrate with them. And they've also got a couple of more events. You can read those on the poster coming up in future weeks. Uh, missionaries of the week are K&K. &K. Let's remember to pray for them, pray for their family, for their relationships in the community, but also within their, their own family. Uh, they face all the same struggles that we do, uh, so let's remember them in our prayers. Education Committee is looking to start Sunday school. So you know what that might mean. Yes. When does our Sunday school start? There is no date yet. No date. But we're going to work on getting a date so that we uh, will announce that to everyone when we have it. So be in prayer, but also think how you might contribute if you have any gifts in that area. Um, refugee sponsorship. Uh, the missions committee is looking for volunteers to assist the sponsorship of, it says there's Sarari, it, the name is Safari, S-A-F-A-R-I, misprint there, and that is Asani's brother. Uh, we're looking to sponsor his family. We're still working through the application process and the family's arrival won't be for some time yet. We are required to have a settlement plan in place and need to provide names of persons willing to assist the family. And the following are some examples of, uh, of what we need uh, help with. Community orientation, uh, ap applying for a health card and social insurance number, finding employment. And uh, so there are a bunch of needs. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, you know, is, are we just reinventing the wheel? Or is this, uh, you know, don't we have regional connections? And, and 
What's the other one here? Central Station, places that help with that kind of thing. Indeed they do. What we need is people to walk with these people, right? It's much, uh, they will feel much at, more at home and welcomed here if somebody goes with them. Let me come with you, right? And you help with the conversation. You help the understanding. And just take them to places that, that they don't know where they are or they don't know how to approach a place. Everything is new to them. So we're looking for people to, I think I have that right. Uh, would that be right, Myron? Thank you. All right, other things coming up. We've got communion coming up next week. So if you need to make something right, today is a good day to start thinking about that. <laughs> we want to be right in our relationships. And we also have a deacon election coming up. And you notice the insert in your bulletins. And you also notice um, the, uh, what is required of a deacon. And I want to encourage you by saying, None of us meet the qualifications. If you think to yourself, well, I, I just don't measure up, you know, none of us do. We all fall short. We all stumble in many ways. We're looking for willing servants who are willing to do this work. And, uh, and people who, who care about people, who care about the word of God, and who care to tend the flock. Um, so please, please consider this. Uh, we don't have many deacons, and we would like some more. Baptism and membership classes, if you're interested, uh, please see Pastor Dean or the church office. And this fall, we're also considering uh, organizing uh, Bible study groups, which we'll call discovery groups. Um, where do you go to discuss scriptures on a regular basis? Where do you go? And I think if, we, if, if, you're, if you have no other place then to be part of a Bible study group is a really important piece of our maturing in Christ, right? We need to discuss the scriptures with each other and help us, help each other apply them. And so my encouragement is that you think seriously about this and, and consider becoming part of a group. Um, we also have persons with health needs. Tina Suderman and Marge Thiessen are at Boundary Trails. Uh, Minnow and Nettie are at Carmen Hospital. Ann Weens is at Rock Lake Personal Care Home. I think that's Pilot Mound, is that right? Yes? Thank you. So that's where Ann Weens is. Uh, thank you note there from Ray Dreger, who's just had surgery. Uh, you know how he used to walk, and uh, I'm looking forward to how, seeing how he walks now. Uh, I haven't visited him yet since I've been back from my vacation, but he's had hip replacement surgery. And we have an expression of sympathy here, uh, which was in the bulletin last week, but we want to acknowledge that it's the, that Wally Neufeld, who passed away September 1st, is the husband of Elma Neufeld and a brother-in-law to Larry Thiessen and a nephew to many in this congregation. So ushers, I'll call you up at this time. And let's spend some time in prayer. Would you please stand? Our Father in heaven, we bend the knee before you because you are God. We come in an attitude of worship and humility. We also come, Father, with great joy because we know that we belong to you. Great joy knowing that we 
are not condemned because we believe in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we, uh, we rejoice before you as your family, as your children. And we come, Father, with, with some concerns for those we love, for those in our fellowship and outside of our fellowship. We thank you, Father, today for K&K &K and for their ministry. You know where it is and you know what it is. And I pray that you would protect the relationships that they have in their community and that those would continue to grow and flourish as they seek to bring Christ to their neighbors. We pray also for their family, that they, would, that they would have good family relationships and that those would remain intact and that their faith would grow and it would not waver. Father, we pray for uh, ministries in the community like uh, Pemina Valley Pregnancy Care and Pemina Valley Bible Camp. We pray for these uh, ministries, Father, and that you will use them and that you would uh, bring people to Christ through them, through the relationships that are formed there. And we thank you, Father, for the many who are involved in being supportive and also those who work there. Father, we look uh, in our own church and we, uh, our call for deacons has come up again and we pray, Father, that you would stir in us willingness to serve. We know that none of us is pristine in the matters of, of living a righteous life. And we know that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and that we need that. And so it's in the knowledge that we are covered by his blood that we want to be find willingness to serve. So, Father, we pray that you would work that in us. I pray also, Father, for our education committee uh, looking to start a Sunday school. Father, that you would have your hand on that process and that you would find people, that you would also move people to be willing for that. Pray for the missions committee and the work that they are doing to help Asani's brother come over and uh, that people would step forward for that and that you would help the process of bringing that family over and that it would happen, that it would not drag out too long either. Father, we also pray that as we prepare for communion, that you would make us right, each with our neighbor, with our brother and sister. Why should we, why should we be at odds with each other when you have, you died for us when we were still your enemies? And Father, I pray for those who might consider baptism, that you would move in them, that you would teach them, that you would bring them to, to, a, to a conviction that they want to stand up for Jesus and that they want to give their lives to Jesus and that they want their lives to count for something eternal. And Father, we also pray for those in our community who are sick and suffering. There are those we mentioned in the hospital. There are others who are at home. There are some who have not even mentioned their their sufferings to the body, and we pray for them also. Father, you are the Lord of healing, and you are the one who walks with us and knows our need, and we cry out to you. Father, would you grant healing where healing is needed, and would you also um, grant peace, that as we suffer, that it is not a, a waste of our life, but it is a time to draw near to you. And we also pray, Father, for those who grieve, 
for Elma and her children, for other families who've recently lost loved ones. You know the grief and it doesn't disappear quickly. We pray that you would give comfort. And now, Father, we want to praise and honor you with our gifts. We want to give to you of the great abundance with which you have blessed us. And we thank you for it, and we ask you to receive it in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture reading this morning comes out of the New Testament book of James, chapter 4, starting with verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, 
We will live to and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. September is here. It seems that the days are getting shorter and a little bit cooler, but we're waiting for the leaves to turn because we will see once again God's hand and the beauty that he has provided for us. Genesis chapter 13 verses 1 through 18 tells about Abram and Lot, how they traveled together until their families became so long that the land could no, no longer support them. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling. And he let Lot choose between the lush plains of Jordan where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah lay or the land of Canaan. And in verse 10, it says this of chapter 13, Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. Lot was living by sight and not by faith. Little did he know that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were so wicked that the Lord was going to, had scheduled them for destruction. God would have told them if he had only consulted and inquired of the Lord, but he didn't. Instead, lost, Lot lost all his material possessions, and including his wife. God promised Abram to make him a father of many nations and to give him a son through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. Abram was 75 years old when God made the promise. And when he was 85, it had not been fulfilled and his wife was upset. She was grievously, and she grievously complained to Abram. She then coaxed him into giving her a son through her maid servant, Hagar. Hagar then conceived and bore Abram a son, Ishmael. And oh, the heartache and conflict that came from this act because Abram and Sarah made their plans without God. They should have consulted and inquired of the Lord. When the children of Israel was enter were entering the, land, the promised land, God told them to destroy all the people because of their wickedness. Judgment had come. They were not to intermarry with inhabitants because they would lead them astray. And some of the residents, the Gibeonites, heard how God had delivered Jer both Jericho and Ai into their hands, and now they feared for their lives. So they used deception to make a treaty with Israel not to destroy them. Although they lived in close proximity, the Gibeonites took wineskins that were worn and torn along with dried up bread to meet the Israelites. They told the Israelites they were from a distant land and wanted to make a treaty with them so that they could live at peace and they would not be destroyed. 
Joshua chapter 9, verses 14 through 15 says this, the men of Israel sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Since the oath was made in the name of the Lord, Israel had no choice but to honor it. And though they found out that the Gibeonites just lived next door to them, in proximity, they realized that they had been deceived. All of this could have been avoided if only they had, if only they had consulted and inquired of the Lord. Too often we as believers make our plans and we make our plans without God. Things are going good, things are going well. So we go and we make decisions without bringing them before the Lord. In your bulletin there is a quote from Greg Laurie in his book entitled Learning to Think and Live Biblically. If you look at your bulletins, and here is the quote, let me read it for you on the last page. Here is our problem, however. Sometimes we'll plunge on ahead and formulate our plans and make our decisions without consulting God at all. And then almost as an aftermath, afterthought, we'll say, Lord, please bless these plans I've just made and, and this direction I've just committed myself to." Close quote. I've entitled this morning's message, Planning Without Consulting God. Planning Without Consulting God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, how often do we rush into the days of our lives just doing things that we think are important and doing the things according to our human wisdom when in fact you see things from your perspective and you have called us to consult and inquire with you. You've called us to walk with you. Help us to realize more than ever, Lord, that we need to focus upon you. And unless we are doing this, we end up getting ourselves into trouble. I pray now, Lord, that you would teach us. Teach us your ways so, how, so we can make our plans according to your will. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So before we begin, I would like to lay the foundation of what it means to consult the Lord. In other words, how are we to pray so that we are always hearing from the Lord? Daniel, and the, Daniel from the Old Testament and Jesus from the New Testament both demonstrated how we are to pray. They were, there are three levels of prayer and perhaps four, but we're going to look at three of them um, shortly as a background to the message. The first level of prayer is daily fellowship prayer. Daily fellowship prayer. Both Daniel and Jesus met with the Heavenly Father daily. Daniel chapter 6 indicates three times a day Daniel got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. 
Daniel was a man who met with the Lord. He took that quiet time. It was there that God would speak to him. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 tells us very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus met with his Father all the time, regularly. It was his habit, but it was his sustenance. That's why he could do the things that he could do, and that's why he could do his Father's will. Both Jesus and Daniel had set the time when they met with their Heavenly Father. Before Jesus shared the Lord's Prayer with the disciples in Luke chapter 6, he told them this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, go into your room and pray to your father, or close the door, go into your room and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Our rewards come from God. Our rewards are based, are based on a relationship with him. Then secondly, the second level of prayer is called concentrated or focused prayer. When problems, concerns, and uncertainties arise, and one needs direction, Daniel and Jesus both took time to pray. They went away to pray. When things happened, when Nebuchadnezzar was going to execute all the wise men of Babylon, because they could not tell him the dream or interpret it, he ordered them to be put to death. Daniel then went to the king and asked him for some time so that he could interpret the dream. And in Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 19, then it says, tells us this, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Meshel, and Azariah. He urged them, to, plea, to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. I want you to think about that. When it came down, when he needed to know from God, he took extra time, set it apart, and he prayed. And he prayed, and the scripture says that God answered him. When Jesus needed to make one of the most critical decisions in his ministry, the scriptures tell us that he spent the whole night in prayer. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13 tell us, one of those days Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Jesus went to the mountain already. It was during the day. It must have been evening before the sun had set. And there he prayed the whole night in prayer. You have to ask yourself, what did he pray? For how long and how could he pray just for those 12? Well, he spent his time with the Heavenly 
Father. As we develop our relationship with the Lord, we will find that we'll be able to spend more time with the Lord because we'll have more to talk to him about. The third level of prayer is gathering other believers to pray with you. Gathering other believers to pray with you. All believers, all believers, you and I need support from one another. We see this in the life of Daniel and Jesus himself. Daniel called others to pray with him when he faced hardships and difficulties. I already read that passage previously, Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, because when he went for concentrated prayer, he gathered others about him. Let me read 17 and 18 one more time for you. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matters to his friends. He gathered his friends around him, Hananiah, Mish Mishael, and Azariah, and he urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, and they prayed, and they prayed. How long did they pray? They prayed until God answered. The night before Jesus goes to the cross, he calls his disciples to come and pray with them. He was in a grievous time at this time. Mark 14, verses 32 through 34 informs us, they went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed, with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. If Jesus and Daniels needed others to be praying with them in their time of need, how much, do, how much more do you and I need to be praying with others? So here are the three levels of prayer once again. Daily fellowship prayer, where we meet with God the way that Daniel and Jesus met. Concentrated and focused prayer, when problems arise and we are hit with them, we go to prayer. That's where we go. And then number three, gathering other believers to pray with you. We need to gather others and pray together. So now we come to planning without consulting God, found in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Planning without consulting God, number one, leads to speculating and forecasting, verses 13 and 14. Listen again what James says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carrying on business and making money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James now addresses those in the church who own businesses. 
However, we might think to ourselves, oh, well, I don't own a business, so this doesn't apply to me. No, this applies to all of us. Again, he is careful not to call them rich, but he clearly indicates these folks have possessions and finances to travel, to set up business ventures in cities and other countries. Whether one owns a business works for a corporation or a non-profit organization, every believer is responsible for seeking the Lord's direction and guidance as they plan. It is not just business as usual, the way the world does it, because the world does not include God or acknowledge Him in their plans. Verse 13 explicitly points out the character of a, of a person who makes their plans apart from God. First, they are self-motivated. Yes, they are self-motivated. They say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city. Second, they are self-confident because they have planned to spend the year there. They're going to go and they have made their plans. It is down. They know it. This is the way that business is done. They make plans. They go. They are self-confident and self-assured. Third, they are self-seeking because their goal is to carry on business and make money. That's what they are. A matter of fact, the bottom line of any business is to make money. If you don't make money, that's it. The business folds. But the bottom line for the believer is not to make money. The bottom line of the believer is to proclaim the gospel, to share the gospel wherever they are, to live out the gospel. The bottom line is to tell people about Jesus. The byproduct is that God will supply your need when you do it. God will supply. And so our bottom line is different than just the bottom line of a business. Now, it's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong. A person needs to live. A business does not that does not make money, it will cease to exist. The reality is that when one plans without God, he may gain the world and forfeit his eternal life. For if we reject God, there is no hope. The parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 to 21, exemplifies this. Listen as I read this for you. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 to 21. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crop. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, 
You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. The sin is not making money. The sin is not receiving the blessings that God has given you. The sin is failing to be rich towards God, rejecting Him, and living this life to the end, and this is the end. It is nothing. And one day, our souls are required of us. Who is the fool? According to the Bible, it is the person who rejects God. As believers, we make foolish decisions sometimes, things that are not God, but a believer is not a fool because but they have put their faith in the Lord. And the person who is the fool is the person who pushes God to the side. The fool in his heart has said, there is no God, Psalm 53, 11. Without him, there is no eternal life. When one runs a business according to the world's st standards, this is only leads to speculating and forecasting because no one knows the future except God. No one. James says in verse 14, why do you, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Remember, James is talking to believers in the church who are running their lives and businesses the same way they would run theirs. They do not include God in their plans, thus they are acting like the world. And so that happens to you and I when we make our plans. Many times we are fervent in prayer, and then sometimes we just back off. We start making decisions and we end up making catastrophes out of our lives. The same way that Lot, Abraham, and Joshua made some decisions that were not in the will of God because they did not consult them. It is essential that we are consulting. James says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That this is the perfect description of our lives. We are here today and we're gone so soon. Have you ever noticed how fast life is going? And if I asked you the question, everybody would put up their hands. My dad said to me, I remember when I was young, he says, you know, when you're young, you just have the world by, your t by the tail and things are going and then all of a sudden you come to the end of life. And that is so true. That is so true. One day we wake up, we look in the mirror and we just say, we are older than what we think we are and life goes so quick. And that's why 
as we plan. We must plan with God in mind. We must plan with his direction, making the use of our days and our time while we have it. Now we come to the second result of planning without consulting God. Number two leads to boasting. When we plan without God, this leads to boasting. Verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's, Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. The point what he is saying here is that we just don't tie this on as a phrase at the end of the things that we are doing. If it's the Lord will, we will live, do, we'll do this and that. It's just not a phrase to say, well, we'll see what God is going to say. No, it's within our hearts. We are planning with God. We are waiting. We are attentively listening to him. No one knows the future except God and God alone. We are all called to plan, but to plan with God at the center. Instead of saying we are going to go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, we need to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We, our eyes should be upon the Lord, on his leading and his guiding. A person who is truly walking with the Lord and is humble will know that God is the one who is in control of everything. God controls everything. He just doesn't know about it. He is in control. The Apostle Paul was a very detailed person. And he strategically planned his three missionary journeys. He knew where he was going. He knew what needed to be got, done. Yet he was sensitive to the Lord's leading and changing of plans. His ear was always attentive to the Lord. Acts chapter 16 verses 6 through 10 tells us about one of those times. One of those times. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the borders of Mysia, they tried to enter Bethany, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed from Mysia and went to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to, to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. In the midst of Paul's travels, God intervened, and some of the things that were unplanned, God did not want him to go there. Paul knew that God does not show a person the whole road when they plan with God at the center. God shows us so much, and that's why we have to be listening all of the time that God 
a, a word, his will is being done. So his ear was attentive, listening to the Lord's leading. How much more important is it for us to be listening for his guiding and his direction in our lives and in the church? James then says in verse 16, as it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. When we brag about our accomplishments, we take the credit for the things that are taking place. We think to ourselves, it's our planning, it's our work, it's the things that we do. God then tells us, who gave us our hands? Who gave us our feet? Who gave us our thought presses? Who gave us our mouths? Who gave us our gifts? And who gave us our talents? They are from God to accomplish God's will and God's purpose. It all comes from God and the glory goes to Him. We are privileged to be conduits and to let God's love and ministries flow through us as we do it in obedience to Him. When we plan without God, it only leads to boasting. When we plan with God, we simply say, God, you worked in this. I am so thankful, and God gets the glory. Now we come to the third result of planning without consulting God. Number three leads to not obeying the Lord. Verse 17, a very short verse, says this, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Wow! When we know the good that we ought to do and we don't do it, we sin. When God isn't in the plans, it's easy not to obey Him. It's easy to get our ear over to the other things of the world and not to be listening to the God. However, the business person and all believers know what it is, what is good and right to do. And how do we know it? How do we know it? Because the believer is without excuse because the Spirit of God resides within him and her. The Spirit of God resides within us. There are two ways that we sin. One is by the sins of commission, and one is the sins by omission. Most of the time, we all know the sins of and the commandments that we, we are to obey. However, it is a sin when we know something we need to do and we do not do it. It's like when the Spirit taps us on the shoulder and says, I want you to do this, and this is the time. But we would rather not. We would rather not do it. The context here concerns finances and how we use it to minister to other people's needs and to proclaim the gospel to others. 
This is the good that James is talking about. Since we have brought nothing into this world, we take nothing out of this world except other people who we win to Jesus Christ. You can only take others out of the world. Nothing else comes out with us. Nothing. In the parable of the shrewd manager, Jesus tells his listeners in Luke chapter 6, verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus is telling his followers that God has blessed each of them with a certain amount of finances and blessing, financial blessings, some more than others. And we aren't to question about why this person got more and why this person got less. We are only to do one thing, is to use what he has given to us for his kingdom. They are to take what they have seen and use it in such a way to share the gospel with others. Then when you get to heaven, others will come to you and say, I am here because you were faithful in giving and you were faithful in sharing there will be a welcoming committee for us who get to heaven. First, Jesus, and second, people who we have served and we have influenced to the kingdom of God. There will be a welcoming committee, and we are called to use our worldly wealth to win people for the Lord. Here is the conclusion. As we plan our business ventures, our non-business ventures, as we plan direction for the Lord, the Lord has got to be in the center. We must be praying for the church during our regular time that we pray. We must pray for the church in concentrated areas and focus everything that we have on seeking God's face and asking God to work and His will to be done. And we must gather others together with us so we pray together. And during these next months, we must be one in unity as we seek God's will for His will to be done within our midst. And I challenge you, make God the center of all your plans in the church, in your business doings, and your regular life. May he be honored and glorified because we seek him first. Thank you, Pastor Dean. Why don't we sing about that? Turn to hymn number 300. And uh, why don't we stand to sing this song? Someone asked me, are you gonna sing all five verses? So I started reading them. I said, these are all such good words. I don't know which one to leave out. <laughs> so we'll sing the first four verses. Pastor Dean will give us the benediction, and then we'll sing the last verse. Make these words your own. They're good words. Mm -hmm. 
Let's bow our heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious hand you have had upon this church throughout the many years. We ask, Lord, that you would go before us as we plan, as we walk with you, that you would share us your vision and you would share with us your will. We pray, Father, that you would gather us together as a hen gathers its chicks and that you would be our Lord, our guide, our direction, our focus would be complete on you. And we pray as we plan now that you would be the center and we will surrender everything to you. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. I'll read the benediction found in Numbers, benediction found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may you go in his peace and strength.